Hello everyone, welcome to episode number 23 of Starting to Know Business Podcast with your host and your friend Ishu Singh. If you are listening to this podcast for the very first time, this podcast is amazing. Yeah, one term. So basically in this podcast, we meet a lot of awesome people. We meet a lot of founders, entrepreneurs, founding team members, great companies, and basically, it's all about learning from each other, growing ourselves, growing our companies. If you haven't started something, you will definitely get an inspiration from this podcast to start something of your own. If you are running something, you will definitely learn something to run your business in a better way. If you are running your company, but if you want to grow, scale up your company, you are also going to learn something from here. So if you want to start, run or grow your business, this is a podcast for you. Hit the subscribe button. And if you are listening to this podcast for the second, third time, so uh, you know the drill. Five-star review with an awesome feedback and I will look forward to it. Thank you. If you want to learn more about me, what I'm doing, go to my website, issuesing.com, I-S-H-U-S-I-N-G-H.com. If you want to sponsor this show, you can also leave me a message there and I will try to get in touch with you as soon as possible. This is a collaboration episode between me and Robert Chain from RC Squared Podcast. In this episode, we will be talking about experiential marketing because Robert and I decided that this is going to be the common topic that we should talk about as there are a lot of things happening in this industry or in this category. And Robert is very much experienced in this field and his podcast is also about that. Hi, Robert. Welcome to the pod and thanks for inviting me to your pod. Thank you very much, Ishu. It's uh, great to be joining on the host of Starting to Know Business with a collaboration from RC Squared. Awesome, awesome. And by the way, like for the listeners, this is a collaboration episode between me, Ishu Singh from Starting to Know Business Podcast and Robert from RC Squared and also known as Random Categories. If you're listening to my voice on Starting to Know Business Podcast, then please pause this episode if you can. Go to Robert's podcast, RC Squared. You will learn a lot about uh, the experiential marketing from Robert. Go to the Robert's podcast and subscribe to it. And any of my listeners who are doing the same, please be sure to pause that. Go check out uh, Starting to Know Business, especially if you um, oversee any type of uh, startup communities. Uh, you know, issues doing some really good um, interviews and talks with different entrepreneurs. Um, on their journeys of starting a business. And if these are any of the communities that you touch, um, it's some really good insight to behind the scenes and things that motivate and drive them as organizations as well. Well, thank you so much, Robert. That was great. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So how is the experiential marketing changing nowadays? Or like, of course, we are all seeing mm -hmm. some kind of trends in the experiential marketing. So before there were lots of events going on, we as we and when I say we, that means entrepreneurs, who's the people who were specifically focused on the startups, very initial stages, I would say before the seed stage, they were going to these kind of events more. There were other kinds of events as well, but I'm particularly talking about the business events, but now the things are changing. So Robert, what kind of change are you noticing because you are more experienced in this field? Yeah, so I think that 
I mean, there's the obvious uh, answer to that, which is previously um, experiential marketing was so focused on face-to-face and you think of, you know, the, the largest, most innovative gatherings that are going on. You think of, you know, your, your CESs, your dream forces, um, even, you know, ones like uh, collision, which I know we'll kind of touch on a little bit later, but mm-hmm. um, all of that has been shifted into a virtual medium. And with, you know, the unfortunate uh, COVID virus, but I would say even beyond that, as everything is shifted into a virtual medium, you're also seeing uh, new types of media and content that is becoming available to you. Um, So it's really shifting the mentality of how do you target audiences or how do you get audiences together when really the new constraint is no longer, you know, can I get a ticket? Can I get a hotel room? Can I get a plane ride um, to said conference to get quote unquote in the room where it happens um, to now, okay, do I have enough time in the day um, to sit on say a hour long webinar or to also monitor say a community chat uh, via Slack or something like that. Um, so I think there's a, a shift in the importance to really finding that value proposition um, mm-hmm. of what connects either your brand with your audience or if you're an organizer or planner, you know, how do you as a um, association lead connect your buyers and sellers community to help, you know, prop and grow the uh, entire market? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to definitely uh, add to it. So as you mentioned about Collision Conference, so Collision, when Collision Conference started, um, they were 100% event-based when we're physically people were going and exploring different kinds of opportunities, learning stuff. But now they, when they saw that this thing is happening, they shifted their focus completely and so fast. It was so fascinating and amazing, like how they did it. As you mentioned the point of, about the hour long webinars, no one is gonna have the time to do that. Maybe they will have the time when you're sitting at home, you get a lot of other disturbances as well. Maybe your kid is calling you or maybe someone else from your family. So you get disturbed and that attention, when that attention breaks, it's gonna take a lot of time to bring it back. Maybe that person might have missed something or might it might be the case, okay, that person is gonna say, forget about it, I'm not gonna attend any more of it. I will replay the videos if there will be any. So Collision Conference, what they did, I think they did some kind of market research. Their videos were not kind of hour long. Those, those kind of videos were just 15 minutes. Some videos were 10 minutes. When I say videos, that means like people actually talking live on the video. So 10 minutes, 15 minutes, some were five minutes, some were even shorter than that. And it was amazing how they did it because I think they noticed that the people are going to have short, uh, short, I would say, attention span. Mm-hmm. So they focus onto that. And uh, I think uh, the Collision Conference did, really did a great job. And, and in order to add to it, like I'll, I'm going to also touch on to the point that how, how they were doing kind of speed dating as we were talking, Robert, before as well, like when I was uh, explaining you this point. So doing the ice breaking session with anyone passing through you, it's going to be hard. You cannot say that, okay, hi, stop, stop, hi. So it's going to be hard. 
But in this event, they did kind of a speed dating functionality where you were clicking that uh, your voice is going to be accepted or mm -hmm. your video will be shown and people were coming randomly. There were investors, there were companies from uh, uh, bigger companies, there were people from like really great companies. I met personally met a lot of people there. So it's it was just like awesome and they took the event space to a whole new level. No, that, that's very interesting. And I would be also interested to kind of take a step back um, from that. And I know, uh, Ishu, as mm -hmm. you are a entrepreneur yourself, um, and I know you even have a couple ventures going on right now. Mm -hmm. um, but as you're, say, founding and growing, um, say, a corporation or a company, mm -hmm. you know, at what point of either the the growth or life cycle, did you or decide that really, you know, trade shows could be a part of, say, the sales plan or marketing plan um, of that? Or was it even in the discovery pre-founding that this is just somewhere where I went to, you know, garner the top minds or best ideas that are going uh, in the world? Mm -hmm. So um, my experience is mostly on the app side, software side. I'm going to give you an example of that. So the, the people, like it depends on the company also, like their focus. If my product is going to be related to, I would say, uh, like housing market or uh, something like that, that's going to be physical in nature. Maybe I'm mm -hmm. going to take an example of uh, some kind of entertainment industry app, like I'm, gonna, I'm having music related app. So the focus at that point is going to be initial stage is the best stage if you want to see a lot of growth. But at the same time, if you don't have money, because uh, setting up the booth when the events were actually happening physically, setting up the booths were expensive. You need to spend, Very. I think, $10,000 or $15,000 to set up a booth maybe for one day or one and a half day. That's not possible for every single entrepreneur out there. So it was hard. And it, it was hard, really hard because if, if the people are going to come to your booth, First, okay, you set up the booth. Second, you need to bring people to your booth. Then you are spending additional money on top of the booth expenses. Then you're bringing the people on uh, onto your booth. And then the next step is going to be taking the leads. They're going to give you the email or they might not give you the email. Then that's a whole different scenario. If, if they will give you the email, then you're going to do uh, lead nurturing and those kind of marketing activities. But just take an example for doing one or one and a half day of event it was costing a single person or like any single company, like around $15,000, $20,000. And it's, it's expensive. Now it's going to be possible for every single company out there to do this kind of, to participate in this kind of events before it was not possible. That was, that's going to be my take. And I think uh, if my app is going to be B2B related, so what people, what startups were doing before were, they were going to these kind of events like collision, uh, physically going there. And they were thinking that they're going to get the investors or investors will come to their booth seeing that, okay, oh, where is issues booth or where is issues company? And I'm going to invest money into that. It's not, it's not practically possible or it was not practically possible at that time as well. It was more so off kind of advertisement medium. So you set up the booth, people, you're going to see some kind of, um, eyeballs looking at your booth that's it that's pretty much it there was not kind of like okay you are getting 
users because everybody there was to learn stuff from each other and everybody was there to showcase their product. It was, they were not interested buyers. So now the trend is changing. I'm seeing different kind of trend. Uh, when I say the, about the Collision app, when I was uh, giving you that example that people were meeting uh, in speed dating format, what people were doing at that time, I, I met because it was a three minute speed dating session. So I saw, I saw people there having the notebooks, uh, taking down the, the numbers of the leads. They were talking to me if I want to get the app developed. I can mm -hmm. get in touch with them. They were noting down the numbers and all that because practically I would say when, when it was all physical, I don't think so. It was kind of a possible like, okay, you're going you're gonna to do that with every single person. So that was my take. Did I answer your question or? No, no, definitely. And I think that that's a very interesting point um, that you just brought up was uh, this idea of the expense and really what it, was was a, a barrier to entry and I, I think that kind of relates back to one of the first points um, in our discussion was that uh, really for someone to try and connect with their audience um, the the entry costs to either produce content to produce you know say a a networking session or to produce some type of you know, face-to-face -face engagement, whether it be through Zoom or something else, it is quite small. So there's tons of opportunity uh, that is starting to exist. Um, but I think the interesting thing with that is that because there's so much opportunity, um, there is almost the need to have, have your content be so hyper-personalized and so into the individual value proposition of whomever you're trying to message to or whomever that you're trying to connect because the minute that you lose that, not only are you, like you said, with a collision, going mm -hmm. to be clicking away um, and say answering your emails and things like that, but that's mm -hmm. the last time that I would ever you know, sign up and mm -hmm. invest my time um, in that. Uh, as you said that the area is wide open nowadays, like oh, there is a lot of opportunity and, but if the company is not going to target or pivot into this direction that yes, the things are changing and they're going to keep on changing, not in the opposite direction where it was before. It's going to move forward and it's going to be more of virtual events. Now, like if you see that the barrier to entry for doing any kind of events is very, very less. You have a Zoom, you invite few people, you sell the tickets out, and you can create an event in that way. But it's not a actual actual event. It's gonna be, it's, it's more like anyone can do Zoom events. It's not mm -hmm. kind of a unique event for B2B use. I would say people are getting, already getting bored due to these Zoom invitations. Okay, I'm having this conference, I'm inviting these number of guests, guests and we will be talking about this. Like it's, it's already too much of it. I think in order to create unique kind of experiences with the events, there are apps already in the market. I'm going to name one of that and it's Event Mobi. No, I'm not affiliate market or marketer for that company. Event Mobi is an app. They, they were 100% physical. They were doing uh, products in the 100% physical event space, but now they pivoted. 
they pivoted and they created a software for virtual events. If the, if the people are not having that technical background, they can make use of those kind of um, the products. But the, but the thing is, if you want to create a unique event, 100% unique event, and if you, want, if you want the people to remember you even after the event is over and you want to sell the tickets for your next event and you want to nurture those leads and if you want to convert those leads into sales, you need to develop something of your own. I believe in that if you want to create something unique and that's going to be your own customized solution, not someone else's like Zoom or something else. Yeah, no, I, I think that that's um, a very interesting comment. And I think that can kind of uh, transition uh, a lot of what we're talking about as, you know, even when we start to think of, you know, events or these type of marketing campaigns or experiential engagements, a lot of it boils down to, you know, what are your goals going into it? And, you know, especially within, you know, the technology space and things like that. It's, you know, you could be a developer going to collision saying, you know what, I just, I really want a combination of pure education so that I can upskill myself and get to uh, maybe a better position or something like that. Or like you mentioned, I'm just here to try and freelance and get tons of leads and things like that. Mm. Um, so I would be interested to hear kind of based off of your experience and maybe some of the shows that you uh, go to, you know, what, how do you view uh, B2B marketing engagements or these type of, you know, conferences and exhibitions? Is it, is it a, a sales opportunity? Is it a, do you go for education? Is it something that you look to really just try and learn the best and brightest new innovations within the market? So I'm going to, again, give you an example of collision, but we, I will move from that direction just in a bit. I'm going to give you an example of that one. So when they were doing uh, five to seven minutes videos, those videos were more about COVID. Okay, this is happening. This is now going to happen in this direction. People were giving their insights. It was not, it was not education related because within five, seven minutes, it's hard to teach someone something and it's hard to understand anything within five to seven minutes. So I would say like if the content is going to be education based, of course, it's going to be long. And I was not and I'm not going to these conferences specifically talking about me like I'm not going to these conferences for learning. I'm going to these conferences for making the connections. Connections are most important. I feel that educational videos is everywhere. It's on YouTube and, and many other places as well. If the person, if the speaker is giving really awesome content, that content can be packaged into a kind of a deal. I feel that if the content is kind of really unique, that video can be monetized as well. Okay, yeah, you mm -hmm. need to pay and then the person can learn more. You can, you can have the networking event with, I would say, the smaller amount of fee. But if, you, if the person actually wants to learn you can upsell the videos, the content that the, that the speaker is talking about in that event. But I personally go to network with the people not to learn anything. No, I, I think that that's actually very interesting that you kind of segmented out um, those two areas and actually put different type of uh, value propositions along with them is that, you know, with a, a piece of content um, and education, it in a way, it's a lot easier 
to monetize um, because you do have this, you know, either set insight or set uh, type of thought leadership that you can then um, push out to a community and, you know, it's behind a paywall. It's a, a learn like you were to pay for a course or something like that. True. But the one interesting thing that you mentioned was, you know, the networking aspect in a um, virtual format. Uh, you mentioned that it was a, a would be a lower cost. And, and I think that that is some type of sentiment that is not unique from yourself that a lot of, you know, individuals or uh, corporations are saying, you know, why, why would I be paying uh, for these these virtual experiences the same amount that I would in, in person and things like that. And I, I guess I, I know that you've been to a couple different virtual experiences. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, what has your experience or outcome been coming out of that? Because I know you said that collision was a very successful one mm -hmm. for you. So I would say, I would say the experience was really good when the event was over, I was talking to people. So what these kind of events are doing or what other events should be doing, they should leverage the power of LinkedIn if the, if the event is focused on the business side. So what they were doing, most of the people were already having, were already having the LinkedIn link on their profiles. So when we were talking, we were just doing one click and we were um, moving to the LinkedIn conversation. So it's just like, mm -hmm. okay, it's not only up to that event. You can continue with that relationship on other platforms when that thing or when that event is over. Even the, even their app, uh, again, I don't want to talk about the same topic, but still like if, if, if I will talk about the collision, like they still have the app uh, where, where we connected initially, but we are not talking there. We are not now talking on LinkedIn. So the connection is now kind of maturing. And if, if there is something mutually beneficial, we, we are obviously talking about it. So that's a power. It's not just up to that platform. When the event is over, it's just like, who are you and who I am? So it's, it's not like that. So it's moving to next level as well. And that is what I'm seeing also. So I met investors there and we are still talking on LinkedIn. And that's the amazing power of these kind of platforms. Yeah, and I, I think that that's actually something that's really cool is almost the the benefit of going beyond, say, that, you know, either speed dating or networking or things like that were the additional mediums. And I would say that, you know, anyone who is listening that may be an entrepreneur or something like that and is looking at the idea of putting on, you know, their event or like, how, how do I connect with individuals today? Um, and I would say try to avoid the webinars, you know, because that, that'll, unfortunately, it's the easiest hole to get stuck in um, mm -hmm. because there's so much out there. Um, unfortunately, there's probably other organizations that can uh, get better, more expensive speakers um, than what you may be able to invest in as a startup. Um, but really be sure to kind of hone in on whatever that unique aspect is about not only your product, but also your community. And uh, issue, I, I like that you mm. mentioned the idea that, you know, with investor relations, it was, you were immediately connecting on LinkedIn and talking through that platform. Mm. Um, some of the really cool innovations that I've seen uh, have been unique Slack channels that have been developed for different events that continue on um, throughout the year that almost develop into, you know, think tanks 
in a way uh, where you just get a lot of, you know, like-minded or single interest uh, individuals who are trying to collaboratively solve a problem. And a lot of that can uh, create very sticky customers um, because if it's, you know, not only are they involved with whatever product or app or something that you're doing, but they're also becoming part of a community. Um, and I think that that's very powerful. The True. other True. very, very interesting thing that I've been seeing um, recently mm -hmm. is, especially if you're in more the uh, consumer goods mm -hmm. area, um, is is really leaning on this this live stream um, aspect and you know the growth of Twitch and things like that. I know um, over in China, there's a very, very interesting event uh, called the Canton Fair, where essentially that is their, that is their international home and housewares. Essentially, they, that is their consumer electronics show. That is all of their uh, almost direct-to-consumer goods uh, all in one place. Um, and, and the very, very interesting thing that came out of that event was the model where their exhibitors uh, set up almost an hour-long live stream at any time throughout the day. And it was their way to connect with their audience and either show off their unique products, show off their, um, you know, new ventures or things like that. And anyone who was watching could communicate with them directly in the chat. And then you were live on camera and you were interacting with those who were on the chat. You were interacting, you were showing off and physically doing these things. And I think the interesting thing with that is that it brought a level of authenticity. Um, you know, with a lot of the webinars and things like that, it's, it's very much talking head. Mm -hmm. It is, I am speaking to you on something. <laughs> and if it's not highly educational, you can lose that interest. But if I'm interacting with you and, you know, issue, you, you just sent me in the chat, you know, I really want to see that how that pen works that you're holding right now, Bob. Mm -hmm. And, and I can physically do that. I can then, you know, almost interact and, you know, play the game, uh, in this new way. And, and that organic feeling, I think is something that, uh, is starting to be, uh, adopted in a virtual sense. But I think moving forward that that's really what's going to catch on and almost last post COVID um, mm -hmm. is finding those ways to create authentic engagements um, between you and another person in a non face-to-face -face format. True. And I would say even before uh, attending the event, I'm going to take an example of the physical booths, which were happening before. If you pass by the booth, no one would know like who were you and the brand just lost one, I would say the potential customer. But mm -hmm. in the virtual world, if someone, maybe if there is some kind of Facebook pixel um, kind of opportunity within the platform, uh, within the virtual platform, okay, if someone looked at your product, that person can be retargeted for the same particular thing even after the event is over. So that's a power. Before, before it was not possible in the physical event, someone passed by you, just game over, and that person will never come back to you. Maybe he didn't like it. Maybe he didn't understand your product completely, but in the virtual scenario, it's completely different. Someone passed by your virtual booth, you can retarget that person even after the event is over if the virtual platform is giving you that opportunity to retarget 
that particular potential customer. I think there is an opportunity as well. So, okay, you retarget. Then if you're retargeting the person, uh, as Robert mentioned, that retargeting the person with the webinars is kind of an outdated game nowadays. I, would, I won't say that uh, completely outdated because there are many channels or there are many platforms or people are saying that okay, email is over now it's sms time or something like that <laughs> nothing mm-hmm. is over um it's just like uh, you can leverage the power of each and every platform maybe you can mix and match you can say that you can do a little bit of email marketing you can do a little bit of sms maybe you are you cannot 100 person you cannot predict that where that person is right now whether the person is on the email is on the sms if you have the opportunity for both, the person didn't open the email within next two days when you send the email, you can send the SMS to that same person. Maybe the person will open up that message and will interact with you. So you can, nowadays it's not like you can do only one thing or you have to do only one thing, otherwise you are done. You you have to do mix and match. And that's the time we are living right now because there are so much distraction. There are so many mediums. WhatsApp, um, SMS, like there are so many things, push messages, e- uh, app notifications. There are so many distractions. So if you if you will rely on only one thing, it's not going to work. And I, I really like that because the idea that there's, there's so many opportunities um, with the retargeting and then, like you mentioned, uh, issue, you know, do you do it through SMS? Do you do it through um, email and things like that? But what I would recommend, and, and this even goes to trying to figure out, um, you know, what format of an experiential uh, engagement you would like to do, whether it be virtual or uh, moving forward, a hybrid model. Um, hopefully, once we start having some type of face-to-face engagements together, but really, you should be just like any other marketing campaign, making sure that you are in a way, beta testing all of this. You know, we may be saying uh, in this conversation right here that you know webinars are an outdated uh, way to connect with audiences, that they're overdone and things like that. But you know, I would recommend to anyone who is listening that really that's that's our place to tell you that this is what we're seeing within the mm-hmm. marketplace. But that may not be you know unique for you. Um, you know, you could go in and say, you know what, webinars are where I'm getting the most traction. Uh, but really what you should be doing is trying to find that either those customer segments that are most meaningful to you or that you view more as partners um, that you can really leverage and gain their insight and say, you know what, I'm going to test this with you. And I want to test it with these first you know, 10 or 15 organizations and say 5% of my audience. And then you can take those uh, learnings and best practices just like you would with any type of advertising campaign, any type of retarget. You know, you don't, you don't spend all your money right out the gate on banner ads. You know, you slowly, you test the market, you find that data, you capture that data, and then you make strategic decisions moving forward. And, and I think that that's the one very, very interesting thing with experiential marketing is that everyone kind of views it almost on its own island. But a lot of the best practices within digital marketing, traditional ad spend, um, and experiential 
are, I mean, it's all transferable. Um, it, it's all very much the same and you should go about it in the same methodology and the same framework. And I think we covered the most part of it. And Robert, where can we learn more about you and your business or podcast? Yeah. So if you want to check out uh, more episodes of the podcast, you can find us on, you know, Apple, Spotify, Google, uh, and most of the uh, major podcast providers under RC squared random categories with Robert chain, um, or feel free to go to my website, um, which is launching at the end of August, 2020. Um, it is Robert chain.com. That is Robert dash C H A I N.com. Awesome. Awesome, Robert. And if you want to go to my podcast, that is starting to know. So you can go to starting to know on each of the platform. Like you can go to Spotify, Apple, Google. I have my own website as well. Issue, I-S-H-U-S-I-N-G-H.com, issuesing.com. You can go there. You can see what I'm doing. And if you want to get in touch with me and website is going to have a contact form, you can get in touch with me and I will get back to you as soon as possible. And thank you so much, Robert, for doing this. I really enjoyed it.